Welcome to Equinox, where Rob and I are striking the balance between the light and the dark. This is episode 34. My name is Joseph Darnell, and I'm joined by my good friend, the doctor, yours truly, Robert Carter. Hello, Rob. Hello, Joe. How are you doing this fine evening? It's a fine day today. Worked hard all day, went for a run. It has been great. It's still too warm. I'm seeing people on Facebook post pictures of snow, and it's nearly November, and I'm still in my shirt sleeves and shorts sitting out on my front porch getting bitten by mosquitoes. <laughs> yes, that's the thing about the United States, about this time of year, yeah. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago, two people in their office had their pipes freeze in October because it was nine degrees? What? No. I don't yeah. remember this. Was this Montana? No, no, no. Can- this is Canada? Georgia. New York? It's just, just two or three, no. one or three years ago, we had a nine degree day in October, late October. And that's this time right now. I didn't remember that. And here I am. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm like, where's my cold? Yeah. I want the mosquitoes to die mainly. Yeah, we're running the AC to keep it at 75. I took a walk today and I found one yard, just one yard in the neighborhood that had fallen autumn leaves in the yard just covering the yard they were nice and red and vibrant so i took a little video clip and threw it up on instagram oh i love red leaves in the autumn but it's like the first red leaves that i have seen on the ground but then that was it the entire neighborhood nowhere else everybody else's leaves are still green or yellow ish and up in the trees so that one tree is in a hurry that tree and i can relate we both like autumn and want it to get here fast Oh, what a nice tree. Do you and your children like to carve a pumpkin or do anything, make any crafts or decorate anything orange? My kids love pumpkins. Uh, my kids are very crafty. Very, very crafty. So they would love that. Mm-hmm. My son likes to get the pumpkin every year. I think it started when he was maybe three years old. And he, <laughs> Rob, he would get a pumpkin about the size of a softball and he would sleep with it. And it was his thing. He just, he had to have his pumpkin. And it was like having a stuffed animal for the yeah, month of October. I, I think one of my kids did that too, honestly. <laughs> I, I wasn't into pumpkins growing up. I didn't like pumpkin pie. I, I got with it later. I hate pumpkins. No, no, nothing with pumpkin flavor is edible. It's just nasty. Mm-hmm. Now, pumpkin seeds are okay. Oh, there is one exception. What's that? Oh, come on. C- could I persuade you to try some pumpkin chili? No. Pumpkin chili is amazing stuff. I bet I've had chili with pumpkin in it. Mm. That just seems like something that I've eaten. Don't know, man. Depends on recipe. You you blocked it out of your memory, but you still have this bad feeling like you've had it before. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on with you? Well, I wanted to tell you about some cassette tapes that I've been transferring for an old friend of ours. Cassette tapes? Someone at the office who has moved on from the ministry. Okay. Spent a little time in Hawaii and has been back again. She asked me if I could do her a favor and if I knew of anyone who could take audio cassette tapes and transfer them onto CDs. And believe it or not, that is one of the few skills I have, one of the many (laughs) skills I have. And you still have a working cassette tape recorder thingy? Yes. I love this piece of technology. It's not my own. It is my dad's. He and I have shared it many occasions. He he had just a slew of cassettes. Do, Do you still have your cassettes? Uh, no, there's, there's one in particular that I, I want to get transferred digitally. It's a, a singing of, um, of a youth group. Uh, when I was in my college years, just a whole bunch of teens and college people got together and we sang some really old hymns with a really good, uh, a song leader. And I played that thing probably a thousand times. Yeah. And I would love it. Cause it's just nostalgic. You know, all my friends from when we were in our twenties, late teens, and I would just love to grab that, but 
I don't think the tape's going to work anymore. Oh, man. That's sad. I'm sorry for you. Well, yeah, so my dad had all of his old cassettes. He had hundreds of them. He loved to make his own playlists and his mixtapes. Okay. So at some point, when everything was turning digital, he started getting CDs, but he didn't really want to invest in CDs. He wanted to get his his cassettes moved over to his iPod and to eventually his iPhone. So he invested in one of these decks, and it runs like a, a machine of that you would plug into a computer and run in 2008. Nothing really has changed. The tech is really old, not many updates, but it gets the job done. And it still works on a modern computer? Yeah. You hit the record in the application on the computer, and then you hit play on the deck and connection with USB 2. You just transfer that tape in real time to the computer. When you tell it to stop, it automatically encodes it as an MP4. Boom. Or uh, is it MP3? Yeah, MP video, yeah. MP4 is the video file. Yeah, it's an MP3. But wait, wait. How, do, how does it plug to the computer? It has a USB jack? It does. It's old, man. How does it have a USB? It's pretty old, but it was high tech in 2008. Okay, I guess 2008 we had USBs. Mm -hmm. It's hard to remember when those things got invented because they were invented in my lifetime. It just kind of happened in front of me and I didn't pay attention. So uh, we actually have just a slew of cassettes. I realized that I could do this to in my own collection and I, I had never thought about doing this. And so I told my wife, I was like, you know, we got those tapes and there's a lot of old Bible radio dramatizations and history dramatizations. I'd really like them to get transferred. Cool. So we're going to probably start that project in the coming weeks. Cool. When I was at Georgia Tech, I decided I wanted to learn Greek. I said, if I'm a Christian, I better learn original languages. And now I never learned Hebrew, but I did get about a year's worth of you know seminary style Greek in. I between myself and I took a class afterwards, but it was on reel to reel. <laughs> a friend of mine's like, oh, I got some Greek, you know, some Greek lessons. And it was from like Moody Bible Institute in the 70s. So he let me his reel to reel player and these reels and I copied them to cassette tape. So about 90, 91 probably. How did you do that? I'm not sure, but I had a way to connect them somehow and the impedance was right somehow. And, you know, it didn't sound as good as the originals. But I had to give him back his his reel to reel player, yeah. so I had a cassette version of Moody's Bible Institute's tapes, and I taught myself Greek that way. That is awesome. Yeah, it was good. I wasn't old enough to appreciate an era with reel to reel. So, how did that work? Would you? How would you connect the film to the empty reel? Oh, you just you, you wander it through a couple dials or spools and pass the read head and through some more spools, basically tension keeper uppers uh -huh. and then you you take the end of the thing in the center of the spool there's a slot and you stick the end of the tape in the slot and you spin it with your finger once or twice to get it wrapped around the spool a couple times and then you hit play oh i thought it would maybe like clamp down on it with some teeth or something so yeah just getting it wound once or twice would be enough to hold it on have you never used like an old school movie projector no Wow. <laughs> How old do you think I am? <laughs> well, because, well, you know, we had those in, in elementary school and high school even. And so, and, and even at home, we had a little little home movie thingy. It was, there was no sound on it. but you It's true. Cranked it by hand. There was a light behind it. Dad did have one of those. Dad, Dad had one of those, but he didn't want to use it while we were growing up. He wanted to get it transferred to VHS. Uh -huh. So, I remember seeing that up in the attic and he got it out and he was worried that he was going to lose the, that footage altogether. So he took it over oh, to yeah. a shop that could transfer it to, VH, to VHS. Uh, VHS. Yeah, that's real smart. Mm. <laughs> 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 I can transfer it again. 
Yes, because he eventually got a deck for that as well. Have you heard of the phrase a digital dark age? No, no. Was that between the VHS and the DVD era? It's when we transitioned from paper to digital. All that digital material is now decaying. Hold on. What kind of digital material? Film? Uh, floppy disks. Oh, yeah. Uh, cassette tapes. Burnable CDs with the organic matrix. Those are not permanent storage devices. Plus, people don't have the recorders or the players for these things anymore. We have one of, one of my kids, all, all, all my kids, uh, their, their birth was filmed, of course. And one of them was filmed on those little teeny recording tape things. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what it was. I, and we have it. And it'll never, we'll never see it. I have nothing to play that with. It was probably a camcorder with a mini DV tape. Yeah, that's what it sounds right. That sounds right. So the digital dark age is a real thing. It's a transition period between paper and purely electronic online cloud distributed storage. Oh, it's tough. I, I hate to hear about this because I, I, I grew up with a cassette tape and my dad still had the record player and he still has records and he doesn't use them very often. But records last forever if they're stored properly. Yeah, he had this giant stereo and he had these towering speakers on oh, either yeah. side of the oh, living yeah. room. Oh, yes. They were bigger than I was when I was little. I remember the days, yes. And had that hum. Mm-hmm. Hum, because he had probably had a um, vacuum tube amplifiers. Oh, I love that hum, that warm hum. Oh, man. Doesn't sound like that anymore. No, they don't. Uh, speaking of which, that reminds me, though, there's a lot of wavelengths in sound and tech, and this gets into sort of the topic of interest for a larger side item. I was going to bring this up. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people are coming out with, uh, tech companies are coming out with a lot of smartphones lately. Yeah. This is the time of year. A lot of people nickname it Techtober okay. because there's so many new smartphones and tablets that come out uh, traditionally at this time of year. And one of the funny things that came up in the background between social media and tech journalism and people asking questions, there's been just a handful of people saying that 5G is dangerous. Yep. I wondered if you could debunk that. But here's the thing is while that was on in the back of my mind, I was like, no, 5G is fine. It's, there's no way that it could be a dangerous sort of thing that would hurt anyone. I, I'm thinking about replacing my own phone. And it must have been a few years ago that one of my doctors slash a chiropractor with some knowledge about wellness and health in general and more than just straightening out your back alignment. She was saying, if you've got these headaches, and I, at the time I had these headaches and I was experiencing a lot of uh, mental fatigue and brain fog, and she said, well, it's, if it's not your food, if it's not your rest, you might just have a problem with having cell phones on your person all the time using your iPad, using your computer, being at that device all the time, having a wa an Apple watch on. And she was not wrong about all these devices I had. And so she said, yeah, I don't even want you to bring them in here while I'm giving you a treatment. What you ought to do is try to get those things out of the way uh, for a while every day and go outside barefoot and stand on the ground in the grass. The frequency of the ground and the planet. Oh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Grounding. Got to ground yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I did it. Sorry. I'm, I'm not an advocate. Not a fan. Well, I don't know. Sorry, I don't mean to poo-poo anything. No, you're not, you're not being mean, and you're being fair, and I wanted to get your opinion, your thoughts on this, because I did it, and I can't say that it actually did anything for me, but I did feel better. 
And I don't know if that is like a placebo effect because sometimes I have that kind of fog again. And one of the other suggestions she had was that if my wife could take her hands and just hold them up around the sides of my head, that the static electricity off of my head could be moved to her fingertips and she could wipe them off, you know, on like, um, like you know, even on any other kind of cloth or yeah, that's mm-hmm. not quite the way static electricity works on a human body. Yeah, yeah. So, so you get where I'm going with this. This is a lot of stuff that I found to be just yeah. See, I I've done a lot of alternatives also, and I've been to a lot of alternative doctors, a lot of alternative medicine, lots of pills and potions. Uh, very few things ever helped, mm. and they would say things like that. And after researching, and it's like, okay, it's not really based on anything. Hmm. But see, that's the thing is I didn't know enough to know if I should believe them or if this was, there was nothing behind this. I, I just couldn't tell. I, I didn't have enough information. Earlier today, I was browsing YouTube for another reason. And I saw off to the side that there was this, this video called The Truth About Mobile Phones and Wireless Radiation by a Dr. Deborah Davis. You want to make that our main topic or the partial topic? Well, it kind of brought this up. Yeah, I think this is going to bleed right into everything we're ready to talk about today. So let's go. Okay, so the thing about this is that uh, a lot there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of skepticism, but there's a lot of people that still say, you got to be afraid about the radiation off of your smartphones or the wavelengths of radios. It's going to mess with your head. It's going to mess up your brain. It's going to give you cancer. And I just don't know what to believe. And uh, I don't know if she is a scientist, but Dr. Deborah Davis, and she's giving this at a seminar in Australia. Yes, I I watched this video Mm -hmm. today. To me, as someone who doesn't know anything, Rob, it looks convincing. It looks legit. Yeah, it does. It it always does the first pass. But I've seen this before. I've been around this block before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell for, for you and for the audience, I don't necessarily have an answer, but I'm skeptical of the skeptics because of patterns I see within the skeptic community, poo-pooing things, unscientific um, observations, false associations, very low power statistics, a lot of um, uh, one-off stories, which isn't data. Now, this lady was really very well polished and she had a very good presentation. And some of the things she said are like, oh, hey, uh, I better look that one up. I don't know. That, that sounds like a good argument. But other things she said were definitely bad arguments. And separating that is really hard. But this is the type of thing I like to do. And I like to hold multiple hypotheses in my mind at the same time. And I don't mind it if I have conflicting data. Like these two things are telling me different things. My conclusion is, okay, I can't know the answer to this yet. But the other things, there's absolutely certain, there's no doubt, doubt about this. Why are we having, having this discussion? But this is not one of those. This is a confusing you have to step through things very carefully sort of argument. So give me an example of something she said that caught your, caught your ear. Well, she was saying that the electrical current on your electronic devices is a negative frequency. And the current in our bodies is a positive. Wait, negative frequency or negative charge? It's a neg- negative charge. And because our bodies are positive. Our bodies are positive? Yeah. So, because they... With respect to what? <laughs> it's a positive charge, I guess. Well, DNA, maybe. So, then yeah. what happens is, you've got this electronic device that's running a low-power mode, and the, the radiation off of that electrical charge 
is not very strong, usually when it's inactive, but several times a minute, it is pinging a cell tower or a Wi-Fi router to see if it has a connection. Okay, you're, you're specifically talking about cell phones or Wi-Fi devices, but I think she was talking about cell phones. Okay, so they're that different? A Wi-Fi device is that different from between Wi-Fi routers and cell towers? The, the electrons flowing through wires inside a device has nothing to do with charge. Okay. The charge from the device does not leap onto us. So whether it's got electrons flowing and we're positive or negative charge or neutral, it's, it's irrelevant. There's no exchange of charge between the device and us unless there's a grounding problem, in which case you get electrocuted or shocked. But <laughs> or they're, they're like the, the screen is broken and your, your face is touching the LCDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you open up the microwave real fast and stick your head in there. Wait, no, that's not true. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll tell you something though. Since the time I got my first cell phone, so I got myself first cell phone in, in the late 90s probably. Um, and, you know, I put it in my pocket when I walk, when I get somewhere in my car, it's in the cup holder. If I'm at work, it's on my desk. I used to have a little, one of those cute little uh, cell phone clip holder things that you put on your belt on the outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I stopped wearing that. It's kind of geeky. Oh, yeah. I keep it in my pocket when I'm going somewhere and it immediately comes out because I don't trust the industry telling me that it's safe. However, I don't trust people like this lady who's telling me stuff that I'm, I'm my red flags are going up. It's like, I don't think that's right. I think you're misconstruing that and that's definitely not true. So she's a naysayer. I'm like, I don't agree with this woman, but I'm not like, oh, rah, 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 go Bing industry. Everything that Motorola tells us is absolutely safe because huh. they're Motorola and we can trust them. I wouldn't do that either. I find myself in a very odd middle position. So it, 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 let me describe myself. I think that you and I have a lot in common in this regard where the difference between us is that you understand the scientific method much better than I do. And you've applied it in your own career and a lot of your experience of your research. You've got decades on me. But I know I'm never going to have that kind of scientific approach. However, it is difficult as someone who is introduced to this sort of concern that electronic devices can produce some type of radiation. It, there's some kind of charge or there is some kind of wavelength. Is it microwave? Is it, you know, is it some other kind of frequency issue? Is it a static electricity thing? These are awesome questions. Yeah, and so those are things that, are on my mind. Yeah. But then I hear a report like this woman's and she presents this stuff uh, in a very reasonable way as a concerned human being. Yeah. And then she stacks a good argument because she says, look, the cell phone companies tell you in the legal terms of the agreement, if you go into settings and you dig down and find legal and you find the thing that you agreed to to use their device, it'll actually tell you in the fine print it is unsafe to hold this up to your body and it's yes, unsafe now, to keep it in your pocket. Do the cell phone companies actually believe that or are they just putting that there to protect themselves from lawsuits? Oh, true. It doesn't have to be true, but if there's a risk of it being true, they'll put a little disclaimer in there and it's, oh, look, we told everyone it's right there. They signed the, the consumer agreement. Not our fault they didn't read it. We told them to read it. So they'll have plausible deniability. It might just be a CYA. Not a, oh, we really know this is true. You know, we're going to hide it back here so people keep using our devices. So there's two ways to interpret that. So let me ask you a question. Right? Fire away. How long have we had cell phones? 20 years? Would we say cell phones, including the dumb phones that we had when I was yeah. a kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, the, the dumb phones are probably worse. Would we go back as far as car phones? 
Uh, no, they wouldn't count. And why is that? Things that people wear in their pocket, on their hip, in front of the lymph nodes, next to the reproductive organs. Okay. How long have people been carrying these around? 20 years? Uh, I remember seeing some in the late 90s. Okay, so a little more than that. but Yeah, it'd be a, 20, a little over 20 years. There are millions of people in this country who've had a cell phone on their hip for 15 years every day, right? Yeah. Have we seen an outbreak of crotch cancers, of upper leg bone cancers? Nothing. No. Now, certainly there are some. They do happen, yeah. But it might, it, it might not rise above the statistical noise. So even in this video, this woman said, she's talking about ladies who tuck their cell phone into their bra and this poor young woman, 24 years old or whatever it was, she had this metastatic breast cancer and it was right there and the concentration of the, uh, of the tumor was right where the antenna of the cell phone sat for a couple of years. And that's very sad <laughs> and I'm sure the woman has probably died by now. Awful, but that doesn't make a real case. And then she goes, we have 28 of these. Okay, but then you know, I would have to track down each of the 28 and look at the details. And I'm kind of suspicious that maybe they're not as cut and dried as she thinks. And the, the, way, I, the way I say it is this, and she brought up Hiroshima. And uh, you know, later on, all these people are dying of brain cancer. I didn't think that was true. The, the Hiroshima and Nagasaki people have been one of the most intensely studied people for radiation exposure since 1945 when we blew up their cities. There was a, initially a great loss of people from cancer, specifically thyroid cancers, because of the uh, radioactive iodine that's produced in a nuclear explosion. But after a while, yeah, some people are dying of cancer in these places, but it approximates the same rate of the areas of Japan that were not nuked. So, you know, my grandfather just died of lung cancer, you horrible Americans, how could you do that? And, and we can say, but wait a minute, some guy over there died of lung cancer too, and it, the lung cancer rate in this area is not any greater than other places in Japan. The same thing's happening at Chernobyl. Chernobyl, there was a number of very acute radiation sickness poisonings and people died. Then there were some thyroid cancers and then it all stopped. There were some birth defects, things like that. Interesting. Now, we can't quite trust the former communist regime of Russia to tell us good statistics. And another problem is most of the people that they had working at the plant they were young men. They shipped in from all over the Russian empire. They gave them a dosimeter, said, go work for 10 minutes, go work for an hour, go work for a day, depending on where they were. And then they sent them back home again. So we kind of lost track, but there wasn't a gigantic surge in cancer deaths. Now, Russia doesn't have a very high uh, lifespan, life expectancy compared to the rest of the developed world because of communism, essentially, and pollution, etc. Uh, bad health, bad nutrition. But we can't see the signal for, from cancer from that what should have been a giant cancerous event. And we don't see a giant signal of hip, ovarian, testicular, bone, blood, whatever cancers from cell phone carrying. Hmm. I mean, it's not like we don't know anything about light. And we've been studying light since you know, 1600s, but you know, radiation-wise since the 1800s, we've done experiments on exposure of different frequencies for a very long time. Right. Now, granted, we've never had a million or a billion fold experiment where we have all these people for decades being exposed. This is new, but it's not like we know nothing. And you have already used the word radiation several times. But when I say radiation, I don't even know what that means. Exactly. Exactly. It's scary though, isn't it? Yeah. To me, it's, it's everything from an a evil explosive that causes people cancer or the radioactive spider that gave Peter Parker superpowers. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it doesn't really mean anything. 
and, and then there's microwave radiation. Oh, oh, Rob, by the way, yeah. I really need to know what I really would like to know was how far do I need to stay away from the microwave while it's warming my coffee? Okay. You could be <laughs> leaning up against your microwave and you're perfectly safe. <gasps> Are you sure? Yeah. Can I do it for 50 years and I'll be okay? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Unless your door's broken or maybe you've got a rust, <laughs> your bottom's rusted out. There's probably more danger. Then I'll take my microwave to my nightstand. It'll make it a whole lot more convenient in the future. <laughs> so you got more danger from the electronics of the keypad and the plastics and the solvents using the plastic and the plasticizers than you have danger from the microwave itself. And even if it did leak out, it's only going to warm up molecules. It's not going to cause cancer. You, you know those little holes on the microwave oven in the front? I don't know the ones you're talking about. Where would they be? You mean, are they like kind of a pattern that you see on the, the, the door so that you can see it, the window into the microwave? Yeah, those little holes in the door, right? Why don't the microwaves come through those little holes? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some kind of force field. Because they have a wavelength of 12.24 centimeters. They can't squeeze through those little holes. Oh, Those holes are small enough to block all the microwaves. They're big enough for you to see through. Microwave is on the edge of the radio wave spectrum, and radio waves are measured in meters. Microwaves are measured in centimeters. They're not really micro, they're centi, but the wavelength's in centimeters. And it's a, that box is a Faraday cage. Faraday cage is an awesome thing. If you took a sphere of metal, even if it's hollow, and put your cell phone in there and closed it, your cell phone would have zero signal. <laughs> okay, so explain that again. It's completely surrounded by metal. You've seen... Um, but my phone is made of metal too, so that, that's why it's breaking my brain. Yeah, but if it's inside it, it's, it's completely shielded from any sort of RF if it's inside a completely sealed metal cylinder. Okay. One reason why you're, you're not at risk of getting electrocuted by lightning when you're driving a car is because you're surrounded by a metal cage. The lightning might fall from the sky and hit the top of your car, but it's going to go around the sides of your car and then jump to the ground from the bottom of the car. It's not going to go through the cabin and through you because the metal is such a much better conductor. Oh, okay. I don't know. It probably conducts electricity a million times more than the air gap between your head and the top of the car. I'm guessing. So you're essentially in a Faraday cage. Hmm. You've seen pictures of giant Tesla coils. You know, those lightning bolts. From right. These giant, this giant metal cylinder thing, right? Yeah, and Tesla was cruel. He electrocuted an elephant, is what I heard. Well, yeah, the elephant had killed someone when that person had uh, fed him a lit cigarette. So I don't blame <laughs> the elephant. Anyway, um, those things are, are surrounded by a metal mesh or a screen. And it depends on the wavelength that you're trying to block. A solid metal surface will block everything. Something like a microwave with those little teeny holes, it'll block you know, things of 15 centimeter wise. The, the little mesh screen hanging in front of my uh, fireplace, the holes are probably half a centimeter. Well, if I, may, if I wrap that around something, it's not going to block very much. It definitely doesn't block visible light. But you could, um, there's some like radio antennas. You might have seen them. It looks like a wire frame. And, you're, and there's like, you know, it's, it's, it's curved and it's reflecting light from outer space to a detector. But there's holes in it. I and mean, it's, like, it's like a waffle, like Swiss cheese, like... Um, like someone took a, um, you know, cattle fencing where it's just, it's a, it's like really hard metal wire and it's welded together. It's like four inch squares. Oh yeah. It's like yeah. that. How on earth can you reflect a radio wave off of something with holes in it? Well, the answer is 
the radio waves are so long, they can't pass through that hole. They bounce off of it. Oh. And it makes the thing a whole lot lighter if you don't need all that extra material. It's a lot less expensive, too. There's a lot less metal in it. Huh. Okay. So your microwave is shielded. Interesting. Wow. And we can, we have microwave meters. I mean, you can, you can buy them if you want to and, you know, try to detect your stray microwave stuff. And more than likely, nothing's coming out of your household microwave. Well, that's good to know. It, okay. Going back several episodes of biblical genetics, remember our discussion on alpha, beta, and gamma radiation? Yes. Refresh our audience's memory. Okay. Alpha radiation is basically a helium atom. It is slow moving. It won't even penetrate a piece of paper. Now, it is an ionizing radiation. You want to breathe that stuff in, but it's, it's not very dangerous. Now, beta is a moving electron. It moves very fast and it is ionizing and it's a lot more dangerous. But gamma is light. Gamma radiation is a very high-powered photon that will strip electrons off of atoms and cause mutations in your DNA. It's like x-rays. X-rays, gamma rays, those are very high, powerful, high-frequency uh, uh, light rays. They penetrate things. They destroy things. They rip apart atoms. Microwaves are the other end of the spectrum. Actually, between microwaves and X-rays is the stuff we call visible light. Oh, huh. So if X-rays and gamma rays, I should say, X-rays and gamma rays, they're super dangerous, way past ultraviolet. Then you get the ultraviolet, then you have blue, then you get up to red, and when you pass red, you get into infrared, and then you get to microwaves, and then you get to radio waves. So microwaves are not ionizing radiation. Can they be dangerous? Yes. If you get too much, they heat things up, and heat destroys biological molecules. But we call that cooking. So that would actually mean that it, the, the danger involved is that it's actually heating the thing up. Yep. And that reminds me of a few years ago, there were Android phones where Samsung, unfortunately, <laughs> do you remember this story? Samsung, unfortunately, was marketing a thing as being hot for some reason. But then, as it turned out, the product actually had exploding batteries, and they, they, even the ones that didn't explode got really hot. And then later, they tried to salvage the situation by the next generation calling it like the ice edition of something. <laughs> it, it was hilariously bad. But so you're saying it's that that would be a example of why in legal it says not to put this in your pocket because they don't want exploding phones uh, to happen once in a. <laughs> once on a very rare <laughs> occasion like that. Yeah, but they're probably just covering your rears also. Just in case it, the science comes out, mm -hmm. they don't want to say, they don't want people to say, you knew the whole time. And they say, oh no, 20 years ago, we put that disclaimer in there. You knew the whole time and you still put it in your pocket. I think I really think that's just a, a, a legal escape thing. Okay, well. I did write an article. It's on creation.com. It's called 5G and COVID-19. Because there's a lot of people back six, seven, nine months ago who were saying that COVID-19 is associated with the 5G towers and 5G is causing it. And it's not really a real virus at all. It's just a 5G sickness. Oh my. <laughs> that, and there's all wow. sorts of variations on that, on that theme. Actually, I published this in May, 2nd of May, answering questions about 5G and COVID-19. I explain what 5G means. The G is not gigahertz. It's generation. The first generation phone, you, you, it was analog. Second generation was digital. The third generation gave us mobile data. Ooh. 4G just gave us a tremendous increase in speed. See, we couldn't have a 5G phone 20 years ago. 
We didn't have the electronics to handle it. We didn't have computers that were fast enough to handle that frequency. We, we knew we were going to do it. Everyone was planning on it. But we just had to keep on making things smaller and faster and better. And we had to do signal processing technology had to improve and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just, we just had to do a massive upgrade on the infrastructure and the technology. And now we have 5G. But it's not gigahertz. It's just generation. And they're low power. It's not. I mean, I would trust a 5G phone more than the first generation phone. As far as the cleanliness of the signal, I expect the first ones were kind of leaky and they didn't have a tight bandwidth and they, they're probably overpowered. The 5G should use a lot less power. The transmitting and the receiving power should be less. Should be. Now, this will, you know, I'll learn more. People will learn more over time. But I'm not really concerned about it. People are freaked out because there's a, you know, I can't escape these things. It's a community-wide experiment. It's not fair to you to put a 5G tower up because then I'm exposed to it. But the power of a signal decreases with the square of the distance. So if you're in the middle of a street and there's a 5G tower up on the top of a building, it's almost nothing. I, I did an experiment once. I got a, um, uh, a meter on my cell phone and it would, um, it would measure RF so I could go up to a, a wall outlet or something like that. And I walked under some high power lines. I could not detect anything. I could detect it on my home outlet, but walking under high power lines, I could not detect it even though I was right underneath them because the signal drops to the square of the distance. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So that's 5G. Now, we, we are, I think we are going towards satellites because you asked a question about GPS, right? Yeah. And the reason that that came up was another question I had. Recently, you remember last time we were talking about going up to North Georgia for apple picking and yeah. getting some fried apple pies. Good stuff. Well, one of the things that is fun about that little journey to Apple Country is that you're using your phone for your GPS, <laughs> and all of a sudden you, you realize what a wonderful world we live in yeah. in 2020 because satellites are everywhere, GPS is just everywhere, like the air we breathe, you can never get away from it. And as long as Google Maps and Apple Maps are reliable about the data, about the, you know, the lay of the land and the roads being where they belong and the place isn't out of business, you're going to find your destination. But then you're, you're going farther and farther out into the country. While you're at it, you, you've come to the end of your music playlist. So you tell you know, the other person riding shotgun, hey, grab the phone and turn on something else. And they grab the phone and they realize... Hey, wait a minute. We don't even have a connection. Yep. We have no bars. But your GPS is still working. But we still have GPS. Sort of. What is going on? I begin to wonder, like, if I take the next exit and get off the interstate, am I entering the twilight zone? Now I'm <laughs> off the grid and I, I don't know what would happen. Your next stop, the twilight zone. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's go back 10 minutes. Have we answered the radiation question? Uh, fair enough for me. Yeah, that was great. Okay. Light. Light is radiation. But alpha and beta particles are also radiation. But they shouldn't be called... These things should not both be called radiation. Oh, huh. But they come out of radioactive elements, so they're radiation. And once they realize that gamma rays are just really short wavelengths of light, now light is radiation also. But you go out in the sun, you sit there, oh, it's nice and warm, you get some infrared, woo, that's radiation. The ultraviolet is also radiation, but so is the blue and the green. That's radiation. Okay, that said, let's talk about GPS. We're talking about cell phones, microwaves, 
GPS. Yeah, I mean, we're getting this by some kind of wavelength right of signal. Yeah, but it's not from the cell phone tower. None of it, really. So you can't make a phone call, you can't load a map, but you can still know exactly where you are. Now, cell phones are a little different. Sometimes they need the time from the cell phone tower and there's a little confusion and GPS signal lost. Oh, shut up, you dumb thing. GPS in space. How can you lose a signal? Right. Sometimes they don't like to talk to you if they don't have a cell phone tower. But there's nothing preventing a cell phone from communicating with GPS satellite, except the cell phone's not communicating. It's not a two-way talk. You're not broadcasting to space saying, hey, where am I? And the satellite says, oh, unit number 15643-2020AB, uh, you are at this latitude and this uh, longitude. It happened in that way. It's a passive system. There's a ground station the government controls that is tracking all the GPS satellites and is telling them, you are at this location, this is the time. And it says, I'm at this location and this is the time. And all the other GPS satellites all stay at the same time. And your cell phone gets five or six signals and says, oh, I have five or six signals, but I got them at different times. They all said it's exactly 12 o'clock, but one of them got here three or four hundredths of a second later. That one must be a little farther away. And if you know where that thing is, you can then triangulate your three-dimensional location on the earth because it also includes altitude. And you can do it with precision that is absolutely shocking compared to the way things were in the past. I mean, in the 70s, we had the Loran system where the government had a bunch of um, almost radar-like radio signals up and down the coast. So if you're on a boat, you could take several Loran readings and know where you were through triangulation. It wasn't to within 100 feet even. I remember when they first came out with GPS, I was doing a, um, uh, a project for work and I had my own little GPS unit. I mean, it was, it was bigger than my cell phone is today, but I had my own. I was like, well, I got my own GPS, like 300 bucks or something like that. I used it maybe four times. Oh. And we were doing a seagrass study in Miami where there's a seawall and they wanted to build a dock complex or something. So they had, we had to go down to the bottom, do a bunch of transects and look for rare and endangered seagrasses, which are about as big as your thumb. <laughs> And they live in mud amongst all the other seagrasses, which are tall. Oh, okay. And you could not see the bottom. It was, you know, it was in, the, it was in um, Biscayne Bay, so it was dark down there. One time, I went down and I saw a giant gray thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a manatee. It was a manatee and a, and a little manatee calf. And they came up next to me. It was like, it's a manatee. I thought it was a shark. I was about to die, man. I was like, ah. <laughs> but we had to do all these transects. And the point of the story is that I had my little GPS thing. And every time we did a transect, we measured on the seawalls, like every 10 feet or three meters or whatever it was, we did about 20 of them along the seawall. I marked it with my GPS. And my buddy's like, man, it's not that accurate. You can't do that. And I'm going to do it anyway, I said. And we got almost all done. And one, I could see that they were in a line and one of them was way off. So I did it again and it became on the line. I was like, what is happening here? Well, this is just on the edge of when the government was deregulating the signal. When they first, when the U.S. government first made GPS, the consumer version was a dumbed-down version. You could not have used it to navigate a car. No way. I mean, you were plus or minus 100 feet or something like that. The military, they had the algorithms to decrypt the signal so they could get down to what we now use. But no one else in the world could do that except... People figured out how to crack it. I went to a, um, it, was, it was the aerial robotics competition at Georgia Tech. This is when I was teaching high school. I'd already graduated. 
And Alan Alda was a presenter. So I was standing on the field there and Alan Alda is like 20 feet away and he's got a microphone and he's talking. And there's all these teams from all these colleges. And they're, all their goal was, was to have a flying robot thing that would pick up a disc, fly over a two foot high wall and drop it on a circle. And nobody could do it. This is way before the days of drones. This is one, one group built a blimp, one built, built a, what looked like a flying garbage can with a giant fan. One built like a remote control plane thing that they could try to slow down and grab the disc. And, but the problem was that they could not tell where they were in the air. And so half of these teams, they used a GPS and they cracked it. And it was like, you know, like illegal, like CAA will come and abduct you in the night sort of stuff. But since these are Georgia Tech students and that, that and if they could do it, that means the Russians and the Chinese can already do it. And after that, the government just, okay, everyone, fine, fine, have your GPS signal. And now we have the GPS that we have now. Huh. Elon Musk and his Starlink constellation, though, I've heard that you can use it for GPS analog and it'll be even more accurate than the GPS signal. Interesting. I don't know if that's true, but if you've got a constellation of satellites, you know where all of them are all the time, you might as well. You have to have a, a way to tell your satellites exactly, I mean, to the millionth of a second, what time it is. And you have to account for Einstein. Einstein? Really? Oh, yeah. Both special and general relativity apply here. If you are accelerating, your time slows down. That's basic Einstein. So the clocks at sea level take a little slower than the clocks at the National Bureau of Standards in Colorado. They're a mile at in altitude. They literally tick slower than any atomic clock in Manhattan or Washington, D.C. Right. Or Chicago. Right. Or Atlanta. Well, the clocks on the GPS satellites tick even slower. In fact, it's, uh, I have it written down here, da, 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 what I read it, seven, isn't it seven? Yes, it is. It's seven microseconds per day. So seven millionths of a second. That doesn't sound very much, right? No. No, it doesn't. Okay. Light travels 0.3 kilometers in one millisecond. <laughs> wow. So you are 2.1 kilometers off per day if your clocks aren't constantly resyncing themselves. Because in order to orbit the Earth, you have to accelerate. You have to go in a circle. Well, we're on the Earth and we're going in a circle, so we are accelerating also, but they have to accelerate more. Right. And when you apply special relativity to that, you realize there's about a seven millisecond difference between the two. But we also have to apply general relativity. You see, we are closer into the Earth's gravitational well than GPS satellites, which are 25,000. Is that right? Or is that, is that geosynchronous? Uh, which one was it? Which one was it? Or down right here. I'm looking for it too. Yeah, yeah, 20,000. 20,200 kilometers. They're not geosynchronous. See, I thought for forever, I thought that if you go to um, 37,000, no, 35,786 kilometers. I mean, I think is that accurate? 35,786. That is geosynchrony. If you have a satellite orbiting at that exact altitude, it will orbit the Earth once in 24 hours. Meaning that if you have a, a satellite dish pointed at that satellite, it doesn't move. Well, there's geostationary if you're right above the equator. Geosynchronous, you can be angled. And if, you, if you're standing on the ground looking at it, it looked like it's moving up and down throughout the day. So you actually have to move your satellite dish to track it. But it's still geosynchronous because it's still once in 24 hours. It actually doesn't move left or right. It pretty much stays right above you. It's not quite true because of 
all sorts of gravitational perturbations, but it's the basic idea. It just sits, it sits in space. I thought that was GPS. That Therefore, they're in a ring, they're on the equator, you know exactly where they are, you know their exact height, and that's how you figure out where you are. But it's not true. They're actually much lower in altitude. They're orbiting in all sorts of different directions. And the way the system works is, they're basically all saying all at the same time, hey, everybody, it's 12 o'clock in three milliseconds now. Oh, and by the way, I'm over here. And, and this one says, oh, but I'm here. And this one says, oh, and I'm over here. This other one says, and I'm over here. And your receiver receives all these signals and figures out where they are, therefore where you are based on the time delay and the location. All right. So based on where they are in comparison yeah, to where your phone is. Gotcha. But... General relativity, because we are deeper into the Earth's gravitational well than the GPS satellites, our clocks tick slower by 45 microseconds per day. So the satellites is 7 microseconds per day. Ours is 45 microseconds per day. They don't quite cancel out. The difference is 38 microseconds per day or 11.4 kilometers. That's how in that many microseconds light will travel uh, 11.4, and uh, let's see if, if I do equals that, uh, divided by zero, 0. 0.6, no, no, it's times 0. 0.6, I'm stupid, equals this, times 0. 0.6, I should have been able to do this in my head, because of course it's 6.84 miles. So your GPS in one day would tell you you're in one location, the next day you'd be seven miles away, Whoa. even though you haven't moved. <laughs> huh, that's off. But we knew this before we launched the GPS constellation, because we've already tested Einstein in multiple different ways. We knew what the adjustment factor was, and there weren't any surprise. It wasn't like, oh, Einstein's 5% wrong. No, it was like, boom, it's exactly right. Here's what it, how it works. And if we didn't know that, our GPS system would not work. That's a really interesting application of Einstein's theories that most people don't even realize applies to their daily life. Wow. So you tracking with this okay? Yes, I, I am, and I get it. I figured that at some point along the way, what a satellite was able to give my phone and what a cell tower was able to give my phone was the same information. It didn't occur to me, but your your cell phone tower is giving you data, and then this the satellite is giving you location. Yes, and one is a one-way communication, and one is a two-way communication. Your GPS re receiver is passive. One reason why they can be so small, they don't have to broadcast anything. The cell phone is active. It has to talk in two different directions, to receive and send. And to send means you need power because if you don't have any power, you can't reach a, a, a receiver. But in the case of GPS, all the power is out in space. Um, the, the amount of radiation reaching us from the GPS satellites is so tiny, ridiculously tiny. And yet the reason it reaches us, have you ever seen, look in the show notes, have you ever seen one of those um, charts with the absorption of light in the atmosphere? The example you gathered for our show notes here? Yeah. I could actually put this in these show notes for... Yes, I think we should. Yeah, so if you want to get to this and see it for yourself, yeah. Yeah, just type in light absorption atmosphere in Google, and you get a lot of examples will pop up. But and there's different ways that you can have transmission or absorption, but basically all the radiation coming in from outer space, most of it doesn't reach Earth because it's absorbed either by the ozone or by nitrogen or oxygen or water or methane or atmospheric dust. Most of that light doesn't get to us. So we are shielded from gamma rays and X-rays. And the, uh, because some of these things are charged, charged particles flying in from outer space, like cosmic rays, our magnetic field protects us from those. But as far as the light goes, most of it's absorbed. 
so and it's a good thing because you know ultraviolet does penetrate okay through our atmosphere enough of it gets through that we can get sunburns pretty good but anything shorter than that is absorbed and that's great because if it wasn't we would be fried by the x-rays or the gamma rays life would be impossible if that absorption band wasn't in the atmosphere and if you get into longer wavelengths into the microwaves or radio waves and things like that there's different peaks of absorption because some molecules have a very specific absorption band like picture of water okay you are now a water molecule you're holding two dumbbells one in each hand at a 45 degree angle your head is oxygen each of the dumbbells is hydrogen yeah you can move the dumbbells several different ways can't you right you can do curls at a 45 degree angle at the same time you can do curls one arm at a time right you can lift your arms up and down like you're flying those are three different absorption bands you got me lifting some air weights right now okay those are three different absorption bands of water you can also spin in several different ways sideways spin vertical spin those are all different absorption bands of water very precise this is why a microwave produces light at 2450 megahertz or 12.24 centimeters that 2450 megahertz is very strongly absorbed by water which is why you use that. You want it to be absorbed by your food, which is water. It's also absorbed by fats and proteins, but water is a really good absorber of this. And this is why there's a, a hump in the atmospheric opacity or the, uh, the absorption of stuff in the atmosphere at this wavelength. But when you're talking about GPS, you're in a perfectly clear zone. Things like microwaves up through radio waves. So things between 10 centimeters and 10 meters in wavelength it's like the atmosphere is perfectly clear. This is why we have radio telescopes. This is why the Chandra X-ray Observatory is in space, not on the surface of the Earth. But radio telescopes we can put right here on the surface of the Earth because they see clearly. Radio waves go right through the atmosphere, which is also why we use radios to transmit frequencies, which is why cell phones are in this band. They're not super long. They're not super short. They're in this middle range that has great it's like clear water. Light goes right through it beautifully. Cool, huh? That explains a lot. With the influence of modern science fiction, you know, even just recently, my wife and I were watching the modern Star Trek films together. And then the introduction of 5G becoming more popular now that the iPhone 12 was announced and it got into the news and people were talking about 5G doesn't matter. Some people saying that, you know, it's dangerous. And then, then just seeing the misinformation videos on YouTube again, and no one really explaining how all these things work. I think it's, it's really awesome how the, the satellite technology, the phones do, dovetail together rather perfectly for all of this, this mashup of interesting information. And, and to be reminded about how it, it's, it's yet another example of where we got to split up fact from fiction yes because there's the there's all that misinformation where people have the skepticism you know things that they've heard i uh, yeah one of the and honestly i'm not immune to this either <laughs> I, rob i i still have to filter this stuff in my daily life one of the most bizarre examples of it was when i was uh, a kid there was a man who was leading a class and he told me about this really bizarre <laughs> he told me about this example uh, it's not really funny, but it's it's actually funny. He said that uh, he knew a guy at the hospital who needed a wheelchair, and somebody out in the hallway had a cell phone, 
And all of a sudden, the wheelchair that the nurse had brought out to go get the guy who needed the wheelchair, the, the, on its own, <laughs> the wheelchair did a wheelie, popped a wheelie, and started spinning around and got faster and faster out of control because the cell phone was able to make it go crazy. Wow. Obviously, cell phones are dangerous. And we better stay away from that stuff. It was an electric cell phone? Uh, electric wheelchair or just a purely mechanical wheelchair? A mechanical <laughs> wheelchair, but made of metal. You know that, okay. And it has wheels, man. Look out. That Terminator movie <laughs> where the, the, the girl Terminator comes and she sticks her finger in the ignition of the car and can reprogram everything in the car. That was just so dumb. But I'm like, what about, you know, give me a 1975 Dodge Dart. It doesn't have any computers on it, man. <laughs> Perfectly safe from your stupid machine. <laughs> but they didn't bring that part. They didn't bring that in the movie. Anyway, any, anytime someone wants to learn more about this, I think it's actually safe. If you go to the real science, if you find a real explanation for how the radio waves and the gamma rays and, the, uh, and all of this spectrum really works, you don't have to be afraid of your microwaves. Put it on your nightstand if you like, like I will, and just go back to enjoying life. This is not the thing that's going to kill you in 2020. I was at a friend's house. Um, I'm not going to say where this person works, but he's an engineer at a high, very, very high tech place. And I'm staying overnight at their house and I walk in the kitchen. And I see no microwave. I'm like, uh-oh. And so sure enough, the woman in the house, not, not to insult woman, but she's like, oh, we don't have Wi-Fi in this house. And I said, yeah, I saw there's no microwave. I kind of guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wasn't being mean. I was, just, I was, it was making a joke and she laughed and I laughed, but, um, it, it's, it's difficult because people who seem smart are saying a bunch of things and are using big words. And in order to find out if what they say is true or not, it takes a lot of work. I mean, I balked when we watched a video we talked about at the beginning, I'm watching this video. She's flashing up all these, these references and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to have to look up and read each of these references. We're talking about two or three days of work. To show that she's wrong. That's no fun. And she might not, she might be ambiguous. I'm sure I am almost certain that there's errors in this, but I didn't want to do all the work. And it would take someone who could read scientific papers and parse the data. And I mean, who wants to do that? And so people's natural response is, okay, I don't know. I'm going to be careful. Which honestly, this is why I don't keep my cell phone in my pocket. I don't know. Honestly, I, I'm not really worried about it. I don't think it's a problem, but just in case I take it out and put it over there. Yeah. The last thing you want it to do is explode or crack a screen and put glass in into your hip. Yeah. The, or hey, maybe, maybe to stop a bullet will save my life. Uh-huh. You ever think of that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem is when this type of thinking turns into an irrational fear. And that's the great difficulty we're having in our society right now. And big tech and big government is not helping. People are only getting more skeptical over time for a thousand different reasons with multiple different subjects. And it's scary and it's shocking. Yeah, it's true. I don't blame anybody. They seem rational. And yet in order to you know answer the questions, it just takes a long time, and a lot of work. And the problem is people aren't willing to listen because people are emotional creatures and emotion is a more powerful driver than a fact. And that's just a fact. Sorry to say it that way. That's the way humans are. I know I'm that way. I know you're that way. Yeah. But some people are more that way than others. Yeah, we're just that way. And it's just so hard to labor on these things. And honestly, I don't even want to talk to people about stuff like that. Mm. If they say something kooky, I, I won't say anything at all because it's just not worth the conversation because I already know where it goes. And then you get, 
you know, what's that called? Canceled. They cancel you mm. or they accuse you of being in bed with the government or the, the new world order or you're a minion of Satan. I've been called I mean, me working as a representative of a very conservative Christian organization. I have been called a minion of Satan. <laughs> Because I didn't hold to it. From the flat earthers. Flat earthers, <laughs> just, but also other conspiracy theorists also. Wow. And it's like, oh, come on, really? And so that, that huge amount of distrust. But I don't blame anybody. I mean, just look at this election cycle right now. How do you know it's true? Oh, it's, it's complicated. I do believe that um, we're not talking about politics on the show, right? We're not talking about politics. However, not on purpose. I really do think that laptop of Joe Biden is verifiably true information. Right. And if that is so, then this guy is <laughs> the biggest crook in the history of America. Mm -hmm. But if that laptop had not been discovered, all we would have is suspicion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we have. And the internet is not helping things. No, no. We are becoming extremely suspicious people. And I, I hate that. It makes me sad because I'm not a suspicious person. I'm a happy person. I'm happy-go-lucky, three sheets to the wind. Woohoo! let's just live life because this is really fun and really cool. And honestly, because of my faith also, I, in one sense, I don't care about the new world order or the big world government. I can't stop it. Why would I be afraid of it? I'm living for today, trying to do the best I can with what I'm given now. If the Antichrist comes and the whole world system changes, fine, I'll deal with that then. But why would I want to live in fear until that happens? Because it hasn't happened the last 2,000 years. It might happen tomorrow. It might happen 1,000 years from now. But we're also not getting into eschatology. No way. <laughs> I, just opened up a, I just opened up two very big cans of worms Woo! there. Sorry, Joe. You can get all the hate mail. <laughs> okay. I better bring it in for a landing then. <laughs> I think you better. Well, tune in next time to find out why you feel the phantom ring and vibration out of your pants pocket when your phone's not there. Dude, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Anyway, go ahead. My doctor had a few things to say about that as well. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this quest. If you found this episode interesting in any way, consider sharing it with your friends and your family members, any of those skeptics and people that have these questions on their mind. If you want to dig deeper into these topics, you can find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes on our website. They're available at nightowl.fm slash equinox slash 34. This is episode 34. The show notes are also with this episode if you subscribe to the show in an app on your phone. And you should also check out Rob's other thing. He's got Biblical Genetics, his big project on the side. Biblical Genetics is also available on Facebook and YouTube where you can catch the videos and join the discussions and comments there, like and share it as well. If you want to find me, I'm at JCS Darnell on Twitter, or uh, take a listen to my other show, my other podcast, Hi-Fi which is available at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi. It's about technology and maybe one of the reasons why I thought about today's topic in the first place. Until next time, goodbye, Rob. Goodbye, Joe. You have been listening to Equinox.
That was a really good show, my friend. That was fun. I knew it was going to stretch you because the topic is not directly in your wheelhouse, but I knew you knew this stuff. It was the numbers that I was worried about. Also, it's fun because you've been there. You've gone there. You've been one of the skeptics. Yeah. I trust a lot of your reading on the these things more than I would other people that just flat out didn't really use any kind of observation of the issue. You have dabbled with these things enough to know what your your real scientific thoughts are. <laughs> I was I'm honestly surprised how that came out. You, you you felt good about it. Yeah, but but I didn't know the numbers. That's I was afraid of the numbers. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried about that because well, I was like, what's um, a, what frequency is that? It, I don't remember it, the frequency and what's the wavelength. I don't know the wavelength. I don't remember that anymore. So well, it just helped a lot to explain as you did in the show that the frequency wavelength is literally got a wavelength and it cannot necessarily fit through a hole. When you said that, I had this new appreciation for what was happening. Cool. Like, oh, it can't fit. Uh, speaking of which, it even reminds me how on uh, smartphones, anecdotally, you know, on our modern smartphones, we have these antenna bands on several different kinds of phones. If they're made of yep. plastics, I don't think you need them so much, but on the metal and glass ones, you kind of do. So this has been an issue for iPhones, and it's not an issue issue. It's just something that people notice. What do you need them for? Yeah, so they got the bands for 5G and LTE on the sides, and there's this new one that looks like a, like a it's sort of like a pill shape that's flush on the side of the iPhone 12 that is only on the 12 in the United States for 5G. It was required for regulation. Okay. The iPhone 12 elsewhere doesn't have it. And it's neither here nor there, but it's just one of those peculiar things when you're explaining how weak the signal of 5G is. We here we're thinking it's the latest revolution in tech. 4G, what is 4G? Well, 4G is you take G and you got four of them. Then if you go to five, it's going to even be more powerful. Yeah, no. It's it, it's one more whole G. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. when you're explaining just how Honestly, the real wavelengths work. Well, I think it can be weaker because it's, dig first of all, it's digital. So, you know, the, the computers are like, okay, at this millisecond, I'm going to receive a beat or not. Okay, I didn't receive one. That's a zero. One millisecond later, actually, it's billions of a second, but one millisecond later, okay, oh, okay I received a signal. Okay, it's a one. So one zero 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 one 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 zero 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 one, and because it's so fast, you don't need a strong signal, and the the um, the band is tight. It's a really really narrow spectrum, so you can move the spectrum a little bit and have a completely different signal for a completely different cell phone sitting right next to the other one, and they work just fine. But in the old days, the antenna would have produced a noisier signal and would overlap both of those spectrum. And so you could not have had two cell phones on so tight a little uh, bandwidth. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Uh-huh. In that video, they say all these pictures of a kid's head heating up. But they don't say that. It's the radiation exposure, right? Yeah. And, and right near the phone, it's red. And it becomes less and less red until there's no color at all on the opposite side of the head. Uh-huh. Okay. You saw all those pictures in the video, right? And it, oh, whoa, it's radiation. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's heat. It's heat, first of all. Uh, that makes it, it's yeah, not, that explains uh, you, a lot. It's not a source of uranium up on the side of your head. Yeah. It's absorbed in your body as heat because it's in the microwave spectrum. But also, there's something critical about this. 
those graphing programs aren't zero to 100. It's zero to maximum. Maximum is always red. And so if you were gonna graph like, you know, 100X on one side of your head and it's zero on the other, well, the 100 will be red and the zero will be white. What if you're gonna graph 0.1X? Well, right on the left side of your head, it'll be 0.1X, it'll be red, and the other side will be white. So it looks exactly the same because they're just scaling the colors to fit the maximum range of values. It's a trick and you gotta be really careful watching these things because you don't know that these two different tests, that, okay, they're both red, but one of them could literally be 1 million times the exposure and you can't tell from the picture. Oh, yeah. Because it goes from zero to 1 million, the other one goes from zero to 0.02, but it's still red, it's the same color because the maximum color in the thing. I could be wrong, but as one of those little red flags that popped up, I was like, wait a second, I need to validate this because I don't, and if, if she's doing that, then she's lying. Interesting, huh? Yeah.